The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is proudly brought to you by Panic and all of its residual effects. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And The Athletic, where you can subscribe to the best content for the Sixers and every other sport at theathletic.com slash RTRS. On the if, show uh, today, what's that? If, if, if Panic at the Disco wanted to sponsor us, we'd, we'd let them. <laughs> at least for one week. In fact, yeah. we'll, we'll do it for free for a week if they let us use the music. Right. O- on the show today, speaking of panic, that is what we will be discussing, our ability to panic. The Sixers are now 0-3, and their best possible record is only 79-3. and We will <laughs> tell you how much to panic, what to do with Markel Fultz, and to find out if, in fact, this is the moment. You ready, Mike? Let's do it. Seven days a week with you is more than I can handle. Seven Welcome to the Rights to Reconsider podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a man who knows exactly when it is and when it is not the moment. That is Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I feel like I do. I feel like that's correct. Do you know when the moment is? Yeah, I can feel when the moment is. And we're and some variation of the moment is happening now, but maybe not the moment that we want it to be. Yeah, it is a moment, maybe not the moment. So but, I have oh, I, I'm not gonna be I I feel like I can feel when 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 we are needed to do certain things oh boy okay i feel like when, when we are needed to be when we are needed to be uh people need us to be riled up and pissed off like a nerlens trade uh like a when other people are pissed off about the mcw trade that kind of thing like a when, sam hinky resignation like a sam hinky resignation like an ogre pick like those these are times when people need us to be pissed off uh and i think that we also we also are temperate voices from time to time. And I think that that's, I feel like we, we are needed to be sort of calming forces. So that's what I'm going to be. I don't know where you are. You, you seem to have more, I certainly have takes. Yeah. You seem to have, you seem to have some loaded up. Well, uh, but so, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the other direction, I think. Well, I, I think we're actually, we have similar takes, but I, I do have some fire directed, not at not at what you would think. So I think people are upset and freaking out and all that stuff. And that is not the, the that is not where my takes would go. And I would I would say that I mostly agree with you. But what I will say, I mean, at the 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 very beginning of this is that the like the freaking out is happening because everyone got a little fucking ahead of themselves. Everyone about like what this team is supposed to be this year, how quick it would happen, and that goes from the team and their marketing to reporters to fans to everybody, and that I think has has um, has shaded their perspective and shaded their uh, ability to understand what the right move to do at the right time is. The the so they have played, and this is going to come off as like team apologist, which I am not. I'm, I'm not team apologist at all. But they have played three of the four best teams in the Eastern Conference uh, for their first three games, you know, arguably. They 
they by all they should have won the Celtics game, but by all previous metrics going into the season, they should probably be zero and three. But we went into this with people with this this insane notion that this team should win like forty five games and compete for the fifth playoff seed, and 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 that they were ready to win now. When when every history, every bit of history in the NBA tells you. That when you are are your primary ba- ball handler is a rookie and your secondary p- primary ball handler is a rookie and your best player is in his second year ostensibly and only played thirty games in his first year and you have six new players that they are going to be probably not that good disjointive un- not cohesive um, and and like when you know it sounds insane but when all we've done is preach patience for the f- first four years and everybody on board with this has been patience 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 process 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 and now they wake up one day and they're not as good as you want the minute that you want them to be that way because they're just not ready to be um like that isn't it it isn't time to start screaming about the coaches rotations and and uh they lied to like maybe they did lie to you or maybe you lied to yourself but but the the like there's two kinds of fans here there's there's the people who have been along with you know there's the people who have been here all along and then there's the new people and i almost don't even blame the new people for coming back on board when they were when they've ignored for the past 4 years thinking oh everyone's saying they're supposed to be good now and tuning in and going oh wait a minute they're not good. You know, I, I'm not surprised that they're shocked. What I'm, um, I guess I'm a little surprised about, and I don't want to speak to everybody because I think there is a good portion of the fan base who has been along, um, along, you know, on the ride over the last four years who is like, eh, this isn't that big a deal. But the people who are, are shocked and, and dismayed that they're 0-3, I you know, I, I don't know what you expected. You knew Ben Simmons couldn't shoot. You know Joel Embiid wasn't going to play every game. You know, you, you like what what about this is surprising to anyone? And that that is the the part of the reaction that is um, that is you know concerning to me is everybody's got to take a step back and realize they were not. Again, this isn't a. I, I will go in on the team. Like I haven't seen any fucking press releases from the team over the last three days about how many season tickets they've sold. You know, I, I know they're very proud of that, but I haven't seen any releases on that lately or how long their waiting list is or, or all of that that they they spent, you know, four months bragging about during the off season. This is still a really young team who is really incomplete, who has a lot of deficiencies in a lot of areas. And when you go in and play a veteran team, I would love to count up. I'm sorry I'm going on for a while here, but I, I would love to count up the number of all-star appearances um, on the, the teams that they've played over the last three three games compared to the number of all-star appearances that the Sixers have. And whatever that number is, it's a lot to nothing, I think, unless J.J. Redick has made one, which I don't think he has at any point. You know, they, they, you, they have played, um, you know, I guess you could argue that Boston isn't, but two of their starters in Horford and Kyrie Irving are sort of like perennial all-stars or right around that. They play teams that are veteran and better than them, and I expected them on, on some level to lose all three games. So so that's a lot. I'm sorry. That was a lot. You can, no, yeah. you can go from there. And I, I'm just – I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean I agree with almost all that. I would say that they, they could easily be 2-1. and one. Uh, And that 2-1 and one could be the and the one with on a back-to-back without Embiid. 
Right. Like they, we saw in preseason, we saw, we should know, like, they're not a good team without Embiid. In fact, they're right now a very bad team without Embiid. And that's not to say that as Simmons and Fultz improve over the course of the season and the team gels together more, that they can't win some games when Embiid's sitting. But right now, they can't, especially with Dario playing how, how he is, especially with Rashawn Hurt and zero interior defense. Like, they're just not... Like, last... I, I will say that last night was incredibly frustrating. Like, one of the, over the past four years, just game-wise, I would say one of the top ten most frustrating games. And there have been many games like that where they just look totally out of sync, sort of a little bit like they don't give a shit. And that's just me, you know, reading into body language and shit. Um, oh, the new body language doctor. I'm the body doctor and you're the body language doctor now. Right? I don't like to be, but like, yeah. you know, it's... When 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 they're when they're losing by a million and you're pissed off, like you're going to do that, and yeah. it's, it doesn't mean anything. But like, I was just watching it, and I just got, I was just getting mad. I was just, I was, I'm, I, I agree with all of the things that you said. And see, now I'm going in the other direction because I have to have equilibrium in the podcast. Yeah. I, I agree with all the things that you said, but uh, last night was just incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I went out to dinner afterwards, and I was mad at dinner. They shouldn't get in the way of my fucking dinner. What are they doing? Be better, but also. It's a back-to-back. Embiid's not there. Rashawn's not there. Uh, they missed shots that they normally would miss, normally would make, especially Redick. Um, but yeah, I mean, they played. You're absolutely right. They played three of the best teams in the East. Uh, one on a back-to-back without Embiid. Um, two of the three are on the road. They should have won that Boston game if uh, if that one, you know, Jared Bayless pass wasn't right into the hands of. I think it was who was it, Tatum or whatever. Yeah. Uh, a couple things here and there that if if this change or this change, like they win that game, and that's the kind of thing where it's like, it's not even, uh, hey, be patient. It's just like, yo, when you're in a close game, shit happens and it could go either way. Like balls bounce weird, refs make shitty calls, whatever. So that's that's a game that they were they were in, and, and I know where we make some jokes about moral victories and stuff, but like. We're not in that business anymore so much, but against a really good team, when you're still gelling with two, with you know Markel Fultz not having half of why he's good, Simmons still being young and figuring things out, Embiid playing like Dick uh, in that one game in the Boston game, like the fact that they were close is like a good sign. Like there's there's things there's good things to take out of everything. Not last night. There's nothing good to take out of last night. It made me want to die, but uh, we're fine team chill for sure but it's i i don't i don't begrudge people being upset last night but now having some air between tonight and last night it's like okay this is what we expected this is sort of how it goes it would have been nice to get one of those wins now you're looking at the schedule like is it going to be an 0 and 8 start because that's extremely nerve-wracking uh just for in terms of pressure on everybody yeah like obviously markel's feeling a lot of pressure as it is so we don't need the added bonus of, oh, and also you haven't got a win yet, and it's been two weeks. So it'd be nice to just get that win, get that monkey off your back, and like start being in the actual season. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is, they look, aside from last night, they look, you know, the first game they looked great. Like the offense was moving, they were, they were pushing the tempo, things just happened, it was fun. They should have won that game, and they didn't, but that's what happens when you're young and still figuring things out. But, you know. This is this is it. This is this is how it goes. It's, well, it is a it is a take your lumps kind of rookie year. 
And and I've got I'm I'm plenty annoyed at plenty of things, but but one of the things I'm not is that they they're not good yet or they're not a competitor yet. And I just I people got way they are talented as all hell. They have talent all over the place and I'm really excited by that. But but especially with a shortened preseason with a with Fultz who was basically unavailable for for all of summer league and a lot of the, you know, the off season. I don't and Embiid who was unavailable for summer league and all of the off season. I'm I'm not at all surprised that they they don't look good yet. Now, yeah. there there are things that 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 I have major issue with and we'll get into those and they are you know faults related and actually a couple of Embiid related and Simmons related things but um and, and overall I think you know uh and we'll get to this but one of the the issues with this whole uh expectation is that you know I'm, I'm watching I watched the game early this morning because I, I went to a show last night and I'm just I'm looking at the starting lineup that has Amir Johnson Jared Bayless and JJ Redick and like I'm like what what is like I I know there's a couple guys hurt and all that stuff but if if I, I just think to myself these guys are 30 plus years old and here's our young growing team and meanwhile we have Markel Fultz like deteriorating on the bench over there while uh, and and even like Luau and Korkmaz who doesn't even dress and we're starting Jared Bayless and Amir Johnson like what. Dario's on the bench. Like, what the fuck are we even doing here? Like, if if you you guys think it's so important to what what playoff team or what team that is winning games? I ask you, in the history of the NBA, is playing Jared Bayless thirty minutes a game regularly? No offense to Jared Bayless, but that is not that that is. If you think that is the solution to winning games, is lots and lots and lots of Jared Bayless. You. You're you're only going to not win games and also not develop those young guys, which is the 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 awful position they found themselves in right now. So, um, so why don't we get to the false thing? Um, before we get to the false thing, can I read the as a particularly good uh, uh, iTunes review this week? I really enjoyed it. I think you're going to enjoy it. Sure. All right. So we are we are on our way to two thousand uh, Apple Podcast five-star reviews please leave your five-star review at apple podcast we may just read your review here is, i think you'll enjoy this one here is this week's this comes from stephanie nba the subject line is sucked in five stars oh, I, I think Kristen texted me about this one okay. oh really okay yeah. so this podcast first started as white as a white noise device when it was my husband's turn to drive although he would always listen to it at 1.5 speed spike and mike's voices would carry me off into a dream state along the pa (laughs) turnpike with enough potholes to wake me up i slowly coerced i was slowly coerced into listening to the ricky as i learned to call it and over time i grew to love you two and began to request this oddity now after moving away from philly for work we've become uh, those obsessive ttp fans in charlotte north carolina to the point where my one-year-old son wears Trust the Process shirts to daycare on game days. Thanks for opening my eyes. Hashtag down with TTP. Hashtag lick face. Love it. Great Love review. It. Yeah, white noise. That's how we've often been described. I talk pretty fast as is. So at 1.5 speed, I got to be nearly incomprehensible. Yeah, I, I, I still don't do the 1.5. I know a lot of people do the 1.5. I would rather oh, listen I, to – I do this shit out of 1.5. Oh, really? All day. No, yeah. I don't. I'm too concerned with tone and timing. I'm all about that timing. 
funny. But you get it. But you, your brain recalibrates it to to get what the timing is at one point five. My, but my brain can't laugh that fast, right? What if I? I don't know. I, I, I think I would rather. I'll be like stodgy old guy about this. I would rather listen to fewer podcasts than listen to them at one point five. At least currently. I hear. At least I hear it. Some some podcasters they talk so slow that makes me want to die. Like that's, like I listen to, for work, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and some I listen to at regular speed, but some I listen, I was like, I just can't, I just couldn't possibly do this at regular speed. I need, I need them to talk faster. It kills me. What if we agree to talk at 1.5 speed? I do. Yeah. I haven't. I'm, I'm helping people out. All right. Faults. I think all right, the, the top line, the headline. You still think it's the shoulder? No. And in fact. So let's let's get to that. The headline is, is it the shoulder or is it something else? And I was the one who whispered to you early that it was the shoulder. And then when I started noticing that all of the press was whispering that it was the shoulder, I thought to myself, oh, I see what you guys are doing. Like you guys are pushing this shoulder thing out there to try to alleviate whatever the, the fuck is going on here with with what is going on. And I do not... I don't doubt that at some point the shoulder may, may have had something to do with it, but I think the shoulder is a convenient thing. I think he and somebody un-Sixers related probably decided to change his shot, and he got all screwed up, and now he's fucked up in the head, and he can't fix it because he doesn't know what to do. He may have uh, forgotten how to shoot and it's in his head and and he doesn't know what to do and it's it's so much so in his head that he's not even shooting in warm-ups he's not even shooting jumpers in warm-ups which is you know um uh a real shame because i thought he's i think he's looked actually pretty good otherwise aside from his evan turner-esque ability of getting blocked at the rim um yeah well that's that's the thing is that like there's there's a couple things so yeah, yeah it's not the shoulder um yeah. Because if it was the if shoulder, was, let's be honest, he wouldn't be playing. If his shoulder was be, so bad. I would kill for it to be the shoulder. I would yeah. love it to be the shoulder. It'd sit him. It'd sit him and be like, hey, just you know, heal up because this is embarrassing for everyone. And, But this is not the case. He's just They're just hoping that he gets past it. And right now he's not getting past it. It seemed, He took a couple jumpers last night. Uh, some looked okay. They look, I mean like tentative but not like – gifable tentative you know yeah like uh, he's holding on to it till the end of the uh, to as long as he possibly can and they're coming yeah. up short because he's shooting them with only his wrist just like the free throws yeah and the, and the foul shots are em- embarrassing and obviously wrong and they couldn't be between him and ben i've never seen two people like two athletic confident rhythm-based people have such little rhythm in their foul shot form right like they should not – they're Anthony Mason. Like that's what – it's It's embarrassing. I can't believe it's real. Uh, but then the rest of his game, yeah, it looks good. He can get to the basket whenever he wants to. He's not – A, he doesn't have the jumper to set up the, to, to set up the drive, which makes people cra- converge on him and crash and not have to worry about him pulling up anywhere. B, when he does – knowing that, he should – and he did a little bit last night actually. But he's got to be able to drive and kick. Or drive and pull up and do a little teardrop or something because he's driving all the way to the end and he's not athletic enough to like just cram on people like Westbrook, so he ends up just going up sort of like smoothly and then three people are on him and either foul him or just stuff the shit out of him. So I think once the shot is back, 
it will set up the drive and those things will be more open, but also he needs to be able to kick out quicker so he's not just, you know, taking a shot two feet from the basket as three defenders are on top of him. Yeah, I, I have I have some like like every take I have about Markel Fultz is is sort of would seem diametrically opposed to every other take I have about Markel Fultz. Like my my first one is if it's his shoulder, which we both don't think it is, but if it's his shoulder, please take him out. Like, like let's let's not ruin oh, yeah. his entire game because his shoulder hurts and he's trying to tough it out. Or you guys don't want to be embarrassed that another rookie is hurt, um, and you are, you know, and and you don't want to go through that that whole public relations thing because yeah, but it's this not. is bad. Okay, so it's not the shoulder. So but, and even if it and even if it's not, still take him out. Yeah, Let him sit for two weeks. Well, this this is what. I said last week, and you agreed, is like, if it's not the shoulder, but here are the two takes I have. The first one is, is sit him down, get him in a, sit him out, get him in a gym, say it's a shoulder, publicly say it's a shoulder, sure. say, say he has a strained ligament in his shoulder, you expect him to be back in two or four weeks, it does not involve surgery. And that because no one can prove that it's not a strained ligament, I'm sure everybody has a strained ligament in their shoulder. And then yeah. get him in a gym with with whoever your shot guy is and you you don't have to rebuild it and and maybe they think they do and maybe that's the concern but even if you do get him in a gym for four weeks until he or two weeks until he remembers how he shot before and at least get us back to that but then the other take i have and watch like old tape of himself yeah just you just got to feel comfortable he's overthinking everything right now and i and i the 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 biggest the big bummer is that it's Philadelphia especially, but really all fan bases are so quickly to label just like head case. Like yeah. it's just so easy to be like, that's it. He's a 19 year old kid. And he's got a lot of pressure on himself. Like it's, there's a difference between like, he has no, this, this has never shown up in any scouting report before. Like there are guys that you can tell are in their head all the time. Or like if they get rattled, then they become like totally unplayable. Like that's not Markel. This is a, this is an isolated incident based on things that have never happened in his past. So I, I, it's insensitive to, to just say like head case and write him off, but like he's going through something and he needs, it needs to be handled with care at this point. Well, and what they're doing and here is like my opposite take on it is if you're going to play him, start him. Like I, you, you can't do this kid gloves thing where you're like, yeah. well, we're going to, we're going to play him a little bit and maybe off the ball and maybe not off the ball. And like, he's already a confused guy. If, if you want him to feel comfortable, here's what I would do. Start him and make him the primary ball handler, not Ben Simmons. Because I actually think the team sort of has a better flow when, at least in the half court, when Fultz is the primary ball handler instead of Ben yeah. Simmons. And, and he's more like, you can, you can still have Ben Simmons be a creator and a great passer and pass out of the post and find people yeah. and do all of those things those Draymond Greendy you know like like plus type things on offense that that and and make him the starter and stop stop telling him you're not ready and you can't compete here and we have to play you against the bench units and and we can't start you with Simmons like like w- at what point I want everyone to think, you, me, everybody listening to think, over the last four years, all we did was say that the most valuable thing that these guys can get is minutes in the NBA, and that veteran leadership and and teaching and learning from this guy or that guy did not mean anything, and you could handle losing, and you could handle bad games, and all of those things, and then all of a sudden, because we're so scared to, to... to think, well, maybe this isn't going the right way, that we're, we're accepting of starting Jared Bayless, 
who is a, a an NBA – no offense to Jared Bayless. I think he's got a role as a six-man. And, and he's playing well offensively. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with – and he's a, he's a traffic cone on defense. But this isn't criticism of Jared Bayless. I want to be really clear about that. It's not criticism of Bayless or Amir Johnson or anything. They, they are what they are. And I think Bayless on, a, on this team or a good team could have a really strong role. But, like, the most important thing here – is getting Markel Fultz right and getting him on the court with Ben Simmons. And the the only two ways to get him right, in my opinion, are sit him or start him and and like show the confidence in him. Um, and this is where that whole conflict of uh, winning games versus the development of young players comes yeah. in. And you're really doing neither now. Now you're not. You're they're trying. Not, they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, and 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 then you get it neither way, right? And you can't. Yeah. I don't even think. And, and all credit to Brett Brown and and uh, and respect to Brett Brown, but I don't think you can put that in Brett Brown's hands. Like I, you know, I think Kinky had that right at some point and said, "You're because if you if you let Brett Brown figure it out, Brett Brown's going to think I got to win some games now. I want the guys that know what they're doing. The guys that are going to shoot. I, I'm not. This guy's not ready." That that's why you don't want the GM and the to be the same guy as the coach, you know. I, I, well, I, I think I think that I think that Brett has always been in charge of the rotations and who's playing and stuff. And well, I think that I think he's always been. I think Hinky might have been. You know, when the goal was, he was on board with the goal of play these guys and lose some games, but let them get their reps in. But that's not the goal anymore. It's not like right. Colangelo was telling him, "Hey, start Bayless," or Hinky would have been telling Hinky could come in and say. Hey, start faults, but I, I think like the organizational goal is different now, and that's yeah. why I like like if Embiid's playing, I don't because he's the guy. Like again, and we've always been the whole, the whole thing about the process was about searching for the guy, and Embiid is the guy. So like surround him with guys who can play now, and it's okay to work in faults a little slower because uh, we have Embiid and Simmons as like cornerstones, and then let's surround them with guys who can play around them and win and and keep building that way and make everybody happy, all that stuff. But when Embiid's out and Simmons still doesn't have a jump shot, like absolutely you can't it Bayless should be in his role as sixth man. Like in in that way. And yeah. it should be Fultz getting in there, getting his reps in, taking his licks, playing thirty five minutes a night and, you know, just getting comfortable out there. So every, you know, three minute run isn't like, oh God, here we go. Okay. And here's my thing. And and it doesn't mean <clears throat> It doesn't mean that you're not going to get Bayless on the court with Simmons, no. and it doesn't mean, like, especially because he has no idea, and I, I, I would understand why he has no idea. Brett Brown doesn't totally know what his rotation now is anyway, so you're seeing. And a it's got to be two rotations with him beaten without. Right, 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 right. Um, so I, I just, I, one way or another, they either got to show confidence in the kid. And say you are the starter, and you're the first pick in the draft, and you're going to take your lumps and turn the ball over. But we believe in you, and you're the starter. Or they have to say, we know you don't believe in yourself, and we want to get you right, and we're going to take you out. And but one way or another, I, I just the poor kid when he's at the free throw line, and they already was it. Uh, Brad Stevens was already fouling Ben Simmons on purpose because he yeah. he. The thing about Simmons at the free throw line, and I we're, we're going to go uh, body language again. Still, he doesn't give a shit when he shoots free throws. He doesn't have like a uh, a routine or anything. He's no, just, he just he stands there. He holds the ball up to his head, holds it there for a little while, and uh, then just like let's go. There's no like any. It's amazing that it's happening to two guys. Simmons is just like he just doesn't know how to shoot. Yeah, and it's just like I can't believe that 
both of our back-to-back first round, first overall picks just have no, absolutely no rhythm at the foul line. It blows me away. I you're more like how do you not know how to shoot a basketball guy? Yeah. Uh, for especially point guards, but like how do you not at least have a free throw rhythm? At least have a free throw rhythm. It's not hard. Yeah. Go outside, do it. Just get there, couple dribbles, maybe a spin, maybe go behind the back. Maybe do like a fun thing that's just like make it your own. Like just standing there with your like legs sort of too close together and like angled weird and just holding it up to your head and thinking about it and just like fuck it. That's not it. Whatever it is, that's not it. It's it's amazing. Like nothing's ever easy for us, but I didn't think that watching our two like, ball dominant players shoot free throws was going to be this much torture like somehow nerlands was better yeah <laughs> was more sure of his uh his free throw uh all right so let's talk, uh, let's talk about let's talk about simmons now well, wait, got bef- before we talk about simmons let's talk about our sponsor the athletic i just let's just do a, the what's that the athletic we love the athletic we are do we are actually, literally, we love all our sponsors, but we love the Athletic. Proud to be uh, partnering with the Athletic. the The Sixers coverage is unbelievable. I feel like I learn something every time I read it. Mike O'Connor wrote the uh, the game wrap up from last night. O'Connor definitely knows his X's and O's and has a a pretty good wrap up of what. Simmons did last night and why he looked good and the, the sort of additions to his game that he had. It was sort of the one shining moment. Um, you know, Godner, you know, and Hoffman, you know, but they've all written just great stuff. And if you're reading the coverage of the Sixers at The Athletic, you literally do not have to read anything anywhere else. Um, but it's not just the Sixers. They're, the the coverage of the Eagles is incredible. Shil Kapadia, who we love, um, and they've opened my eyes to Bo Wolf. And I don't know if you've read any of Bo's stuff, but Bo is. Uh, I've listened to their podcast. The uh, they do a podcast, an Eagles podcast, and um, Bo has literally the driest sense of humor um, I've ever I've ever heard in my life, and I can read it in his copy now. So um, the Eagles coverage is great. The Flyers coverage with Charlie O'Connor, Liz Rocher on the Phillies. They have national writers who are incredible. They're on in they're the Bay Area, Detroit, um, Cleveland, Chicago. Chicago. So I get a, I get the newsletter. Yeah, yeah, and and the newsletter every day, no ads, no autoplay, no clickbait, just the best coverage. And this is how you know you want you don't want clickbait, you don't want like you know uh, copy and paste blogging, you don't want ads that take up your whole screen. This is how you do it. It is less than five bucks a month, and this is how we're going to get good journalism. Um, five bucks a month, Mike. I mean, think about what you spend on five bucks a month. What you should if, be spending it on us. Yes. And since you're not spending it on us, since you're not, you should spend it on the athletic. So if you subscribe right now um, at theathletic.com slash RTRS, that's theathletic.com slash RTRS, you're going to get 10% off and you're going to get the amazing athletic rights to Ricky Sanchez co-branded right side of history t-shirt that uh, you'll have to explain to your friends and no, explain and to your non What's that? 
And passers-by. And passers-by. It says history with our logos on the right side. It is a um, – I've become a T-shirt snob. It is a very soft tri-blend great T-shirt. Again, the only place you can get it is by subscribing right now at theathletic.com slash RTRS. Very proud to have The Athletic as a sponsor of the Ricky. All right. Ben Simmons. Yeah. Why don't you start? Well, so I I got dinged a bit for being – a little down on him or at least less concerned than I was with, with Fultz. And now that the, you know, I mean, still con- I'm still, I'm concerned about both. Simmons looks very good at what he's very good at, right? Like right. he looks good in the open court. He's rebounding the hell out of the ball. He's pushing it. He's making some cuts. He has some nice passes. I would like him to be a little bit more, uh, like eyes up and making, making some like difficult passes and, and like pushing, pushing the ball, like, uh, air yards, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, in in transition, but he's do- he looks good at what he's doing, um, but he's not left-handed, and he's not finishing remotely well, uh, especially in traffic. A lot of the times on the run, he's he drifts away. He needs like a little, whether it's like a like a little hop to get to get to the basket. But he, once he's going a certain direction, he's just sort of flying in that direction, and there's nothing like right at the rim. So he's going to get blocked. He's going to get especially when he switches hands because yep. he drives left and has to switch back to his right and he gets fouled or just like throws up something ugly. Just like he's got to be able to finish better. He's got to be able to get like get uh, finish through contact. It's, it's going to take time for sure. There's a lot of bright spots, especially the fact that he's like really not turning the ball over that much. Yeah, which is pretty um, crazy with as much as he handles it, you know. Totally. Yeah. But uh, the lack of he, – he took a couple jumpers last night. Looked looks pretty decent. Just like any, even like a twelve footer, like he like he did, like those are that will open things up. They'll always be there. And if you could just have that in rhythm, that opens a lot of things up. So I want to see more of that. But my my biggest concern is because I think it, the jumper is just going to be an off season thing. It's just going to be like a how much do you give a shit about being a very good NBA player? Um, because the, the you're just going to need that. The the jumper will be necessary because people will learn how to play you. The fact that he's this good without a jumper is is very impressive but also crazy um so but the bigger concern for me is like he's a 610 like freight train you got to be able to make people pay when they don't when they're not in front of you if they're on your hip like you got to go finish go cram on somebody like you're big enough to do it you're athletic enough to do it like go go get yours don't be like so finesse inside especially when you're shooting with the wrong hand and not finish it's it, that's the most frustrating thing for me so far yeah uh and even you know you mentioned 12 foot jumper even an eight foot jumper honestly anything that shows that you are willing to do something other than lay the ball up or shoot that little hook shot or yeah. you know whatever it is i think the the two things that i think he's been overall very good i yeah. uh, i don't so my, I'm going to say a couple of things that I noticed that I wish he would do less of. but I, And I want to hear a lot less about the historical line nonsense. I don't care. Like I, yeah, I don't care. I don't you know, he's not Grand Hill. Like, like they're, they're different players. Um, I, I don't want to hear that these are the only players who have done this. You know, Michael Carter-Williams, I'm not saying he's MCW, you know, had a, a pretty unbelievable line his first few games too. I, no, and, and, the, and the biggest concern with Simmons coming out was that he would be – Big stat, big empty stats on yeah. a bad team. 
Well, because he cares about being the point guard and he cares about his stats and he cares about all that stuff, which he um, he's allowed to care about those things. But here are the two things I've noticed. The first thing is, is that I would like for when he gets to the rim for him to try to finish stronger and maybe finish through contact rather yeah. than turning away and shooting that little hook shot or that you know, one-handed floater thing. Like, you're a big guy. You're very athletic. You might not get calls this year, but I'll tell you what, you're going to get them a lot quicker if you try to get them. You know, that they're going to start coming a lot quicker if you try to finish at the rim strong. You can try to dunk on people. It might not work, but you can certainly try. And the other thing is, is his, um, you know, I, I don't know whose decision it is, but his insistence on being primary ball handler all the time. And to his credit, in the Toronto game and even a little bit in the Celtics game, um, whether it was Fultz or McConnell or he was a little bit more off ball than he was yeah. in the first game. But him in the in the half court is like I have no problem with him pushing it. But until he is shooting, uh, he the pick and roll is sort of a waste of time because yeah. – um, so. Once it gets in the half, I have no problem with him getting those Russell Westbrook uncontested defensive rebounds and pushing the ball. Totally fine. But when they get into the half court, and this is why I'd rather have faults in the starting lineup and have faults on the same, uh, you know, on the floor at the same time, is I'd rather see a more natural guard handling the ball, whether it be TJ, Fultz, Bayless, whoever it is, because I think the, you know, What's going to happen, to your point, is the, the lane is going to clog up so drastically because they know he's not going to shoot it. They're not going to get any motion off of anything. Um, you know. And we'll get to the, the Simmons and Embiid thing in a little bit, but that's sort of what I would like to see, and I hope that he is willing to, and maybe the last game shows that he is, he's willing to maybe play off ball a little bit more in the half court than he has. Yeah, I mean, it's all about make, making the defense make choices, right? And so if you're making a choice to, like, okay, I'm going to cover the drive, then the shot is open but if you're playing if the if your ball handler is a guy who can't shoot which for <laughs> nearly everyone holding the ball in the Sixers is somehow the case then it makes the decisions choice really easy defense's defense's choice really easy and uh yeah i like i like him off ball in the in the um in the half court as well because uh when he's just he's just not a threat from you know 25 feet out like Set screens, use him in the pick and roll, use him at the nail, let him post up, let him operate from like just shy of the elbow, like let him let him be a threat at places so he can see the whole court and also be able to take one dribble in and then he's right there. Like I don't he's and I people keep talking people are always talking about how, how good his handle is and I, I just don't agree. Like he's not maybe it's because he's too tall to like if people can get it, get their hands in there, but it, it is not a crisp, tight handle. So I don't want him in the half court having to like navigate through traffic because he's not good at it yet. So I, I absolutely like him setting screens, using him cutting through the middle so he can cut. And then if somebody else cuts, maybe like a Luwawu cut spike, like they're, <laughs> they're, that, that sets up like double actions and he can, he can do that because he's so, he's so smart. And quick thinking with with the ball in his hands, or even as the ball's getting to him. So, but when he when he's asked to like break his man down, he's usually not good at. It. Now he's done that a couple times, like against Washington. He, like uh, Kelly Oubre, went behind the screen and he and he just beat him to the basket, and it was a nice play. But uh, because he doesn't have that jumper, uh, a lot of times he's just not going to be able to get 
the shots he should be able to get. So it's it's better if he's not even it's better if he's cutting or moving quickly to to, to receive the ball there. Yeah, I, uh, I I have a similar take about his his handle. I think what it is is he's so comfortable. He's not that. He's not a great ball handler like uh, Kyrie or Tim Hardaway or a guard because I don't think he can be. But he's so comfortable with it that I think um, he is able to handle pressure on ball because I uh, he does play as if the ball is an extension of his body in that way. Um, it's a little sloppy, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I see. I see like a lot of sloppy. Like okay. he has it. He's not turning the ball over, but it's not like. If you make one move, I'm by you because I'm this tight to the ball no matter what. Right. Yeah, it, it seems yeah. like it's a, it's a loose it's a loose handle for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know that he could ever – I find it hard to believe that anyone almost seven feet tall can have that, you know, um, that super quick guard type handle, which is another reason that he probably shouldn't be the primary initiator until he can shoot, you know. Um, all right. Uh, we have to get to Embiid. I wanted to talk about Brett Brown a little bit because – and the, the – I guess the front office slash Brett Brown and, and we'll say their decisions as a whole as to who they're playing and they're not playing because there's been a lot of criticisms of his rotation so far, which I, I tend to be a Brett Brown apologist and will we'll stay that way yeah. in most cases, at least in terms of his rotations because how is he supposed to know these are – there's so many new players – that you know, the the NBA off the NBA preseason has become a lot like the NFL preseason in that not a lot of guys play a lot. Yeah, of, the point is to not get hurt. Yeah, so it, Which Dar, Dario didn't play at all really in the preseason. I think he only played in one preseason game. Um, you know, Embiid uh, barely played. So I I will defend his rotations and his decisions. I think the only decision I won't defend that I touched on earlier, which I think is an organizational decision and i think a lot has to do with their bragging that this is in fact the moment and things are different now is to play i i know this is a crazy take but instead of starting and i didn't come to this decision until this morning when i saw it bayless i've already made a point of and again i like bayless as a player and seems like a great guy same goes i would rather start okafer then start Amir Johnson right now. I don't I don't understand. Amir Johnson definitely looks very bad. And and like what are we gaining by starting Amir Johnson? If every other guy in the lineup was 20 years old, then I would be fine starting Amir Johnson. You know, if we were starting Fultz and Luau and Simmons and Covington is even like 27 now or something. But um, yes. if we were, if we were starting those guys, okay, you you want one guy who knows where to be. But when you're starting Redick and Bayless, uh, and I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'd rather see, I'd rather showcase Okafor, and I don't want to play Okafor. But oh, show, showcase Okafor—that that is. Well, that, I, I don't in know. Five years. I, I hope that, that that those words never. I, we remember I, those words coming out of our mouth too many times. I, I, I could, I could, and I haven't said it. I I like to forget he even exists, but I could see some potential benefit coming out of starting Okafor. I see no benefit in starting Amir Johnson, and like I know you don't want to. I know fans don't want to hear this, but the most important thing is still developing young guys and I just I I don't understand. I don't care unless everybody else is hurt. I don't understand a starting lineup that includes two three 30 year olds in it. 
I just don't. It doesn't make any not, sense. Not these, not these 30-year-olds. I agree. I don't think... Well, unless they were star you, think, 30-year-olds. I think you pick one between... Because so, Bayless is such a fucking waste on defense that I think, I think... You just, Start Redick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, I, mean, I think you pick one between Bayless and Amir. And it's either... I mean, I, I would start Markel and then... I don't. It doesn't really matter to me who starts between Amir and Okafor. Uh, we can talk about Okafor, but let's talk about Embiid first. Yeah. So let's talk about Embiid. Uh, I uh, so the first game. You know, we we already talked about the first game. So we only have the, the Boston game really to talk about. I I and this might sound aside from the fact that he shot too many threes, and I think that might be a function of him and Simmons and uh, Embiid's wind a little bit, but him like. After the game, demanding more post-ups in the press and saying we need to find a way to get me the ball in the post, I have an idea. Uh, how about instead of stopping at the, the three-point line and attempting to take your guy off the dribble every time you get the ball down the, up there, you get into the post <laughs> or or somebody run a pick and roll with him with him as the roll guy. I, I, how about you don't? you know, stop and pop six three-pointers in a game, maybe then you'll get the ball in the post. I don't I don't know that. And, you know, I said in the offseason, I think the Embiid-Simmons thing could potentially be a thing as as they're both young and they both think they're the guy. But sure. I, don't, I don't know that it's entirely appropriate after the second game of the year that you're calling out Simmons for not getting you the ball in the post. It's not like you saw. Uh, was, he, was he calling out Simmons specifically? Well, he was. He was. I mean, Simmons, the primary ball handler. You know, who's yeah, who, but it could have been like, you know, Brett's running plays okay. where it says even that, handler. even that. I, 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 do, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know the answer. I, I didn't. I didn't see Embiid. You know, um, buried in the post, begging for the ball. Like at least Okafor yells for the ball the whole time in the post. In, in fact, it was actually Simmons has been. Uh, Simmons has been ha- has had mismatches in the post, and they haven't been getting him the ball as much yeah. as they should. I, I, now I do think there is a possibility that the that Simmons and Embiid, not that they play the same game, they play very different games, but they occupy the same sort of spot on the court because what happens is if if Embiid is twelve feet away. Simmons actually has to get to that point if he's trying to take his guy off the dribble and his defender has sagged to there because he can't shoot. So, you know, and that's when them playing more pick and roll, at least just running the action of it, I think would help. But, um, you know, he clearly... I think think it's just going to take time. Honestly, I think not only like is it going to take time for these guys to be good, it's going to take time for these guys to learn how to play with each other and learn how like to, you know, complement each other's strengths because on paper... The three of them certainly do. The three of them plus Covington and Redick is a perfect starting lineup. But it just takes time for people to gel. Even like really good teams, it takes time for them to gel. So like rookies that have very little idea what they're doing, one of whom is has a broken jump shot somehow, uh, it's just going to take time for it to happen. And it's you know if they played the Pacers and the Hawks in the first two games, then like they probably would be two and zero. And then, but like they didn't. They played three of the best teams in the East, and this is what we got. Yeah, I and, – and and his conditioning uh, – and I, I read this on The Athletic. The uh, Somebody I, – I think it was Derek that – maybe it was, it was either Derek or Rich that grabbed this quote from Brett Brown. I think it was Rich. It was like – this was before even the second game. Brett was saying, you know, fighting – in the post and running basket to basket. Cause remember the, the center is basically running the furthest 
out of anybody on every play yeah. because he's got to run all the way down and all the way down is going to he was i think the quote from brett was that's a hard life when you are when you are fighting with marching gortat and then aaron baines which are those two those two guys are loads especially yeah. baines um that guy's a, a, a beast and i've heard from the celtics broadcast he's got a giant penis as well but yeah i uh, heard that yeah. good for him <laughs> but when you're running that so i a lot of this has to be Embiid's conditioning is not where it should be and kudos to them for letting him get in game shape by running 25 or 30 minutes a game because it's the only way it's going to happen maybe some more midnight runs through the city uh will help as well but he's he's got to get his conditioning to a point where he can fight every night because he like he did in the preseason his i don't think post-ups obviously post-ups aren't a huge part of the nba right now but most times, on most nights, whoever he's posting up, he's going to have an advantage and running that part of the offense so you can get double teams, so you can get fouled, all those sorts of things is really going to help. And I do, yeah. th- it, I do think – I'm sorry I'm talking a lot. I'm sort of like shot out of a cannon here. I do think it's sort of strange how little we see Embiid in pick and roll at all ever, yeah. and that even goes back to last year. I agree with that. Um... Couldn't you run it with Redick? I mean, Reddick's a, a capable ball handler. He's not great, totally. but he's capable. He's a, her- he's a little more herky-jerky than I expected him to be because it's he's just so – you know, you watch him with the Clippers and he just handled the ball so rarely Yeah. Um, because they had both Blake and CP3. So it was like him just being like, I'm just going to you know, run around screens in there, but he's kind of herky-jerky. Um, yeah, your point about Embiid not being the pick and roll much is, is interesting. He sets good screens uh, in the few times that they did do it over the little past year. Um, I remember because after seeing a decade of big setting terrible screens, it made an impact on me. Um, it sounds like one of the one of the non one of the subtexts of this podcast, I think, is you souring on Embiid a little bit, whether no, it's personality no, no. wise or game. I don't know. No, no, no. Just, I'm something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So some some little thing, some storyline to you're such, keep an eye on. You're, you're such a, a we you're a weaselly little bastard like that. You try to make me the you try to make I just, me the I just bad guy. a couple things. You don't like the midnight run. You don't like the coats a little bit. No, you're I just I just up. this is just what keep you, an eye on it. This is what you did in the off season when I was saying they're gonna win. You know, 34 games. Or 36, <laughs> you're like I'm bad guy. I'm negative guy. I you're just. Bad? I hold everybody. I love all of these guys like my children. They're all my children. Embiid is my child. TJ's my child. They're all my. Covington is definitely my my favorite child, but my child nonetheless. Even Nerlens, who moved away to college, is still my child. But with your children, sometimes you have to give tough love. And I just. And this sounds, you know, uh, sports journalisty a little bit or hot takey, but. Let's let's get the job done before we we, <laughs> we start complaining about post up touches and so you know that that's the new uh, that's the new slogan instead of uh, here they come it's let's get the job well done. I mean let's you, get the job done first well I mean, you know, all this you don't want to be you know this is good this this is going to shock the world this comparison but the, there was a really dominant young big man who uh, was sort of goofy and funny. And wanted to post the ball up way too much um, uh-huh. and ended up having every teammate he ever had hate him. <laughs> and that's Dwight Howard. And, you know, the the thing about Embiid, his size, his skill, is that even if he did nothing but play defense and run pick and rolls, he would be an impressive player. So let's not try to do everything. Let's not try to get take your guy off the dribble. Maybe save some of your 
your energy there for where it's probably more helpful and more efficient. And that is a little more pick and roll, a little more defense, a little less whining in the press, I guess. I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's got to be a mix, right? Because you, you want to be able to uh, – because he has the ability, even though he hasn't a three yet this year, he, he has the ability to step out and hit threes from on a regular basis. Um, and you want him to be able to do that so that opens up the course. They have to play him out that way. So Simmons and Fultz and any cutter get like open lanes toward the basket. Yep. Um, but you also want him to post up because he's dirty in the post and he can pass out of the post and he can get fouled on any sort of rip through move. And that's very valuable. So it, I, I'm not. I think it's just got to be a mix more. And, yeah. and it seemed, especially in game two, that they were, that he was just settling for shots and almost like mad at himself that he was. He kept missing, so he kept like sort of challenging shoot. himself to keep shooting it. But uh, I mean, that that was the worst game he's played. Yeah. In the, I- as a sixer, like easily, I, I would like for him to s- simplify his game a little bit. I think. I think that they need. He is so skilled. He doesn't know. It's like when you go clothes shopping, you buy a bunch of new clothes and you don't know what to wear the first day and you wear too much of the new stuff, you know, and that jacket, it doesn't go with that shirt. You don't have to wear it all the first day. I don't think he needs to show everything he can do in every game. I think he needs to get back to basics a little bit in in his game and and take advantage of his size and take advantage of his skill a little bit more. And I think the game, those great things will come to him. And I know he's probably frustrated that he's played – 32 games or 33 games in three years and he wants to show everybody how good he is every time he's on the court but it's a you know it's a marathon not a sprint so how many how many games do you have to play for us to not say the number of games he's played i don't know but it is as <laughs> it's easy to it's easy to keep track yeah and and the i hate doing it because the critics do it so much and i don't mean to be critical i just mean to provide context I, look you know. you're the bad guy yeah so, i'm the bad guy so you are uh, before we get to Dario and some other team stuff, let's talk about our other sponsor for this podcast, the official law firm of the process and the official lawyer of the process. That is Adam Kornblau at Kornblau and Kornblau. Just the two Kornblaus. So some people many. have been adding. A, some people are adding a third, and as of yet, there's not three. It's just two. Unless one of us becomes a Kornblau. Or maybe he and his lovely wife will have a Kornblau child, and that child will grow up to be a lawyer, and it'll be Kornblau, Kornblau, and Kornblau. Well, uh, depends how. That's the thing. It depends on how how talented that child is, because right. uh, they don't just let anybody in. It's not nepotism over there. Right. No. Even though Adam Kornblau was the son of two lawyers that started Kornblau and Kornblau, I'm going to break it down for you very, very simply. <laughs> well, there was a great vetting process. There was a lot of a lot of interviews. Yeah. Not just a, it wasn't a Brian, it wasn't a Colangelo situation. Yeah, it was the, this is the best candidate for the job. They, they actually the 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 parents Cornbell actually interviewed Danny Ferry, which is interesting to know to yeah. see if he wants to do a career change, but uh wasn't the right guy. They were limited in that they didn't want anyone not named Cornblau to be in the firm, so they could only interview people with the last name Cornblau and Danny Ferry. But so, they interviewed Cornblaus that weren't related to them. Yes, That's every Cornblau in America. So I'm going to break it down for you very simply. If you are hurt, if you are in an accident, if you have a case of medical malpractice, if you are hurt in any way, slip and fall, work lawyers, Adam Cornblau and Cornblau and Cornblau is the law firm for you. They are the very best at getting you as much as you deserve, the most that you're going to get in Pennsylvania. This guy 
knows what he's doing. He is smart. He is detail oriented, and it is is not some huge law firm with with lawyers all over the place. And you're going to be dealing with this guy or that guy. It is a boutique law firm that when you walk in and you're like, "I want to see Cornblow," you're going to get Adam Cornblow. Um, he's aggressive. And he's aggressive without being uh, annoying and scary. He is – and he will – when you call up, he's really going to break down for you how this entire process goes. And I've gone through it. Um, I've gone through the personal injury thing. I wish I had Cornblow at the time. Um, so – and all bodily injury. So here's what you want to do. If you think you have – Legs. A, what's that? Arms. Le- oh, yeah. I thought you meant legs the person, not actual no. legs. Yeah. Uh, if you think you might have a case, even if you're not sure – Give him a call or shoot him an email. It costs you nothing. The consultation is nothing, and he'll come to you. They have offices all over the, the Delaware Valley, but he's going to come to you. Call 215-576-7200. Uh, Ask for Adam. You're going to get the main Cornblow or email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. And, the, and, and that's the at sign in case. No, it's – oh, yeah, the at sign but also and, A-N-D. So yes. it's cornblow and A-N-D and cornblow. Dot com. Cornblow, of course, is spelled with a K. You can just Google it if you can't spell the rest. Uh, Plus, press Shift 2 to get that at sign just in case you're yeah, looking. Yeah. Cornblow at Cornblow and com. I seriously trust this guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, if, you, if you are unlucky enough to be in that situation, be lucky enough to get yourself a Cornblow. So I'm, saw him the other night at uh, the watch party over at Xfinity right in the center. Sixersing it up, true process truster. Was at the He's opener in. the other day. He's in. So uh, Adam Kornblau, the official lawyer of the process. Okay, Dario, boy oh boy, not a great start to the season for Dario. Um, so, I, so I love Dario. Love right? Dario. I just How love. I just not? love the guy. Uh, he's so fucking weird. Anytime he uh, Embiid, I forget what game it was. I think it might have been the second one. But Embiid took a shot to end a quarter and it airballed, and uh, and Dario caught it. On the offensive rebound, it was against Boston. And Dario caught it, offensive rebound, and uh, and just laid it up at the buzzer. And it was just like such a Dario play, like herky jerky, paying attention to things that nobody else is paying attention to. I mean, I just I just love the guy. That being said, playing like shit. Yeah. Not, not, not looking good. Uh, he he's the, when he was best last year at his best, it was him and like mostly a bunch of scrubs, and he was like the guy. You know, and yeah. uh, he's had he's had a tough time. Uh, that was like the last month or two of the season, and he's had a tough time. Um, they're essentially making him into just like a like a spot shooter a little bit. Like it feels like he's catching a lot of passes into the, and stepping into threes. And even though his jumper has improved over the past like four years since they drafted him, like it's still not like his strength. And so I I I, I wonder when the shot's not going in, and uh, and they want those lanes clear, what like what his how he's going to be effective you know yeah i yeah i i think it is one of the biggest parts of them trying to figure things out you know the early part of the year is what yeah. his role is and until like he's not henry ellenson right he's not just a, he's not channing fry like no, that's no. a little bit what they're making him do because he's like he has a he has a very interesting skill set and they're not uh because they have other guys that dominate the ball like he's not being He's being relegated to like that sort of thing, and so far is not having success. No, he's well because he's he's at best an average shooter right now, and the uh, and you can tell that he is because when he misses, 
there are no soft bounces for Dario. Yeah, the shot is sure. low. It's hard. Um, and I think he's eager to contribute. And I'm glad he – and boy, when you say he's so weird, like his haircut has gotten very harsh <laughs> and very like – it's gotten very like uh, – what was that Saturday Night Live uh, skit? Um uh, sprockets. Do you remember that one with Michael Myers? Have you ever? Uh, that was a little before your time. You should, uh, you should look that one up. Um, he, I, I think he is <clears throat> to your point searching for his spot. And one of the biggest problems is that I think Fultz coming off the bench. Um, you know, with Fultz and TJ off the bench as both <clears throat> primary ball handler type guys. Uh, and initiator type guys is that even when Dario is in with that unit, he still isn't really in his, in his like, uh, you know, he's not the same player. I think you've mentioned on a previous podcast, he's not the same player as Simmons, but uh, that grab the defensive rebound, push the ball sort of thing was Dario's thing before. And it's not his thing. Now everybody else wants to push, not him. Uh, I do love his ugly, Hook shots, I think he's done oh, it. I love him. I love him. He's on a team that has done a really poor job of rebounding, especially defensive rebounding. He's certainly fighting down there. He's He's gotten a couple of offensive rebounds that it looks like he's he's fought through and he's playing tough. And I do like Dario, the tough guy. Um, but he's a, he's a strange fit right now. And I, I do believe that once... <sighs> Once Fultz is starting, I think it will open things up for him a little bit as a as a guy off the bench. I think him coming off with Bayless is a little bit more natural than him coming off with Fultz. Um, so we'll see. I, I have faith in him, and I think he'll be a real good player. But it has been really, really ugly. Because they're playing with him a lot. He's playing a lot with you know either Amir or Simmons or Fultz, and that's three guys who right now can't shoot. And yeah. so he has to be like, okay, well I got to spread. Someone's got to spread the floor and I'm the best option for it. And so it's making his, the rest of his game sort of not as, uh, valuable, I guess, or, or, uh, pertinent. Did I miss when his nickname became Shishi? When did that, that happen? I, sh- I heard, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's been him like forever. Oh, it, is it wasn't Zoom, like a Sixers thing. Is Zumoff and uh, Allah calling him that new? Because I noticed it a lot when I was watching the... Uh, Zumoff did it, did it some last year. Oh, did yeah. he? I, I guess I yeah. never noticed it. Um, yeah. I, I certainly noticed it now. And by the way, and certain, I, being the team announcer is a tough job because you're, you are... You have a lot of different masters and one of those masters being the team. And I could have missed it. But I watched the entire broadcast of last night and did not hear them mention the Fulch free throw. Oh thing. no, they were going out of their way to not mention it. it I love those guys. And was, they were and it was yeah. like and, and they, they, they he missed another shot. And we'll go to commercial break. Yep. And the still going on. Nope, we're taking a commercial really quick. And let's talk about our sponsors. Well, they Matt Blatt Auto Sales, <laughs> non jump shot of the game. <laughs> they were they went when he hit when Fultz had that the awful brick, the one that just went off the backboard. They were just like keep talking about Kyle Lowry, keep talking about Kyle Lowry, <laughs> keep talking about Kyle Lowry. And I, I didn't you make a good pasta dish lately? Yeah. Uh, wasn't that a nice? <laughs> and, and I, I am not criticizing them because it is also very possible that they have been oh, just, asked just, not to do it or they got to be around. They're, they're trying to help the kid along. But they, 
unbelievably like the one thing the, your one takeaway from the game is what the fuck is wrong with his free throw shooting and they, they were like they found everything everything else so love those guys though come on a couple of t- i love them love them both and and love Allah's wife big big ricky fan celeste abdelnabi big fan so a couple of uh team notes i had down here the defensive rebounding, without even looking at the numbers, has been noticeably disgusting. Yeah, uh, I I can't figure out why. I don't. No one seems to be boxing out. I think one of the problems is that one of their bigs in the starting lineup is Simmons, who is not really a big, you know. Um, and that sort of. Great, I mean, great, 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 like uh, instinctive defensive rebounder, like goes up and gets it, but not a. Not a box out guy. Yeah, he's a guard rebounder like Westbrook or Jason Kidd or Evan Turner. Evan Turner was really good at it too, but they're not fighting for rebounds. They're the guy that grabs the board when the other people are fighting. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to, it, it's going to force some dirty work stuff out of Covington, out of whoever the guards are at the time, really, you know, uh, to, and whoever the center is to, but there's got to be some tough, box out stuff going on here and it hasn't been going on at all well, and they don't Embiid currently has a 45 percent defensive rebound percentage which is ridiculous in the two games that he's been in so it's not when Embiid's on the court yeah but i i and i will credit the athletic and i don't know who it was with the stat but most of his rebounds have been uh uncontested so sure, and most most of everybody's rebounds are uncontested, yeah though. i guess De- most of deandre jordan's rebounds are uncontested. well they're gonna have to so. figure out ways to do it without and beat on the floor because there's going to be a lot of times that he's not on the floor. So yeah, and, and that's I mean Rashawn. One of the things we talked about before the season is how much better uh, defense rebounding Rashawn got from his rookie to uh, uh, second season, and uh, now he's not there. So Amir Amir's rebounding has been going down steadily over the past uh, past few years. So it's 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 going to be a team a team thing for sure. And uh, and the de- the defense in general, when Embiid is on the floor, has been good. Just like last year, when he's been off the floor, it's been terrible. But one of the things that they're going to have to resolve, and this comes back to the Bayless thing, is the guy has never been a good defender. Is not even like really a willing defender. You know where you have some guys that are bad at it, and are, you can tell are at least trying. But he's not like really even a trier, and. Uh, <laughs> On on games that Embiid, I I don't know. They they got to figure out some way to play. Some of it will come with time, and playing defense in the NBA is hard because a lot of a lot of switching and a lot of uh, a lot of pick and roll stuff, which is the hardest thing to defend. But they are they are pretty ugly right now defensively. Yeah, yeah, really ugly. It seems like that, and a lot of open looks. It seems like without much effort, the other teams have been getting easy looks. Yeah, and getting to the line a lot. Some of that's the refs. Some of that is just they're fouling a lot. Um, why, while we're on the subject of the refs, has there been a dozen traveling calls yeah. off the catch yep. this year? Is that something that like people have been asking for? Like, who cares? It doesn't, it's not like they're catching it and just running without dribbling. And it's one step. It slows down the speed of the game. It doesn't give you any advantage. If it's like an obvious one, of course, but they're just calling it Anytime anybody catches it on the wing and drives. It's really been the call to me that's been the most obvious that's not traveling call in the NBA over the last several years. You know, like the the uh, Covington gets it a lot, actually. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's because he takes so long to actually get the ball 
onto the floor. It might be on him a little bit. But they've called Simmons with it a bunch of times. They've they've called yeah. a lot of yeah. It's if 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 they want to change something, um, and they've 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 changed the flailing call a little bit this year. Guys aren't getting that this year as much, which is good. But the other thing they you know we've talked about it on the podcast. If you want to change anything, can we stop it with the 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 charging and the the blocking thing? Address that before you address the traveling. Um, uh, the traveling off the first step thing, yeah, it's off the catch. It's terrible. And there were there were like it seemed seemingly twenty straight possessions where there was a whistle last night. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that was that was the same. By the way, the Celtics game was terrible too. The Celtics game was was awful too, yeah. as far as the whistle goes. So, um, um, let's talk about some other guys. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, and the other thing, TJ's TJ's been getting called. TJ has like seven moving screens off like a dribble handoff. Yeah, it's like. What's going on? It's yeah. just they seem like they're really having a good time blowing that whistle, and I'm sure blowing whistle is fun, but like blow it on your own time. Well, it might be one of those things. I hope that the refs try to show their points of emphasis in the beginning of the year, and then they back off as the year goes on. So I hope yeah. that's what it is. Because there's been the first game was very fun, and the last two games have the been Celtics terrible. game because it was ugly, the Raptors game because it was well uh, embarrassing, but. Not fun. Let's not fun honest. to watch. No, no flow to the game at all. The Celtics game was the way it was because the league did not want the Celtics to go zero and three. Let's let's call. Wow, a spade there a spade. it is. Let's there call. Let's call a spade a spade. This is the spike that people want. Yeah, this is it. Not the <laughs> not the mean hate Embiid spike. Not the think they're going to win twenty six games spike. This is what this is what the people are asking. <laughs> I for. never said twenty six games. It seems You're like even the worst. Okay. Yeah. All right. The other guys, and then I had a uh, a subject. Uh, sort of unsixers related, but basketball related. That is not on our rundown that I wanted to end with. But you go ahead. Other guys, what other guys did you want to? Um, yeah, I mean, like there, it's as the people at the top struggle, the people, the role players will also struggle and sort yeah. of not know what their role is and not know where they're to find. So like TJ doesn't look great, Luau doesn't look great, uh, Justin Anderson is is coming in <laughs> ready to shoot, which is yeah. fun. Ready to um, ready to miss as much as he's ready to shoot. I, guess. I like I want I want him just to kick people's ass on defense. Like that's all I want. Just like he blocked he blocked a shot last night down like twenty seven. He yelled, "Give me that shit," which I appreciate. Yeah, I love uh, his I love his intensity. Love yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stauskas finally got some run last night. Uh, sort of just you know tread, tread tread pretty lightly in terms of doing anything. Uh, but Okafor, um, you want to start him over Embiid? Sounds like. <laughs> all <laughs> right, enough. <laughs> and uh like it's i i went through an arc watching the game last night of like you know what i've hated the guy for t- i've hated watching the guy for two years uh he's clearly having a tough time they, they, they haven't been able to trade him maybe i'll try liking the guy and if i push if i push a liking him agenda then someone will want to trade for him and fight not because Im- of me but in the in the universe it's impossible though it's impossible isn't it it is it is nearly impossible there was yeah I was like silently stewing about the game last night and then like Jaleel did something fucking dumb just like got the ball to the top of the key and essentially you know as if he was a, were a horse just like closed his blinders yep. and was like I'm doing this and the defense crashed on him he just like kicked it out of bounds and it was well, just like well, and how about how about you what did he have three fouls in like in a 35 that, seconds that, that I'm fine with because the, the guards were just letting him okay. letting them just come into him and he was just I, I, I don't mind him being hard foul guy off the bench that's actually a nice change but and he did and he has been I, one thing I have noticed is that he has been 
seemingly uh, contesting and blocking more shots over the course of preseason. And, and yeah, last- I would agree with that. I I could I could stomach him. I could stomach him if he didn't palm the ball. I can't take the palming. I can't take the because it is a signal. It's basically like a tell. It's yeah. like all right, everyone else has disappeared. Here yes. I go. You're yeah. you're telling everyone what's happening. So uh, if you were better at because because when he gets when he makes that quick move and does a little quick spin move on the he's, baseline he's good. or whatever, he's fine. He can do it. Allah likes calling him Twinkle Toes. It's like, but he's got to be able to as he's doing it as the defense crashes on him because they're going to. He has to know they're going to. He's got to be able to find somebody. He's got to be able to kick it out to an open somebody for three. I don't care who. Do anybody. we think? Do oh. we do we think Twinkle Toes is a sneak diss? No. No. Okay. I also I want uh, he took a he took a three Jaleel last night in uh, during like a, after a foul or something like that. Just take threes. Yeah. Do it now. I want I want to see you take threes and extend your range and just like try it. Just try it. Let's go there. If Amir Johnson can shoot threes, Jaleel Okafor can shoot threes. Let's go. Let's let's add that to your game on a regular basis. Open the lane, driving lanes up and let's see how that goes. Anything else? Anyone else? That's everybody. We, right? talk, we didn't talk about Covington really. He he was in uh, foul trouble last night. Yeah, uh, he, he uh, gets bit. DeRozan gets him a lot. Yeah, well, Dero- it's Dero- tough time. Yeah, he's uh, Covington isn't like super quick laterally, and DeRozan is, and I think uh, I think he's a he's sort of a a tough cover for him because he's he's um, you know I've seen Covington guard point guards, but they're so much they're smaller than him. But DeRozan's a big enough guy to where I think he's a, a tough cover for him. I will say one thing pump about – what's that? The pump fakes get him a lot. Yeah, they do. Um, they, they need to fix Covington's hair in NBA 2K. They have the old Covington hair, not the giant rooster Covington hair. Mm. They gotta, it makes him look much bigger, I think. I think he's, he becomes nearly a seven-footer with the hair. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to – Covington's game will get – um, he's like a mega role player, right? So his he though he's useful when they're not good, um, like where some of the other role players aren't useful at all when they're not good. Yeah. When they're good, yeah. he's going to become really, really, really good. So I, I think the difference between him when they're good and him when they're not good is is pretty uh, pretty stark. So. Redick forty seven percent from three, Bayless fifty six percent from three, Covington fifty six percent from three. That'll that'll like, hold. That'll hold first of all. Yeah, but also. Like that's that's how that's how nice it's going to be if you have if Embiid's hitting his shots and also is healthy and playing, and Fultz is actually doing a little bit of shooting, and maybe Simmons continues to like open things up. Like they're close, and it's you can look at it one way. Like it's frustrating that Redick, Bayless, and Covington are shooting lights out, and we're zero and three. But uh, the other way I look at it is like things are going. The court is going to be open. They just have they just have to like use each other correctly and 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 find ways to succeed on the court together. Well, and really the um, o- the only one of those guys that I think is getting a lot of open looks is actually Bayless. Uh, yeah, a lot of Reddick's threes look, you know, uh, not maybe not forced, but uh, look that he's he's not set or even. And the same thing, Covington, even in his big first game, had a hand in his face most of those shots. So as they yeah. as they get more open shots, I, you know, they're not going to shoot 50% all year. But hey, Redick 
could shoot 45% pretty easily from three, probably yeah. has done it before. So he's not that far off from a normal Redick year. I, uh, they're close. It's, it's like, it's, it's defensively. They're just not going to be good with Adam Bede. That's, that's just the case. And hopefully when Rashawn comes back, he can, I know he's not a, he's not a great defender, but he can establish some level of rim protection, at least, um, that, that will help balance the team out. Um, but, Offensively, like they're 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 one between Simmons between Simmons and Fultz, uh, utilizing their skills correctly in the half court, they're like one tweak away from being like a a devastating offense. Oh, I think, be- I think they're further away from that. But but with with Redick, Bayless, and Covington, that is like that shooters everywhere. Embiid has not played has not shot the sure, ball well. Yeah, and I- that is and and Fultz doesn't. Remember how to shoot? Like we're one once we just like establish like a level of like normalcy, and and they like just tweak the offense like whether it's Simmons running like cuts in a different way or getting the ball in a certain way or like some like small calibration to where we're gonna get a lot of open looks and a lot of like smooth half court play and that just takes time. But the shooters are there and everybody's it's in place. It just has to happen. By the way, Redick, last three years from three, 43%, 47.5%, and 43.7%. So as this good as he's been, it, it seems like it's like this is normal, which is really crazy to <laughs> to even uh, to even notice that this is just normal three-point shooting for him. So Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up at the end here, and because it was – I was told it was amusing when we started taking shots, and I guess we have to ask the permission of everyone else in the league that that they be mentioned, is the Keeper Fantasy League we were talking about last time during the DraftKings mm. ad. So we are in a Keeper Fantasy League. This is the first year Mike has been in. This is yep. my third year. Um, John Gonzalez admitted on Twitter that he, he runs the league, but I don't know if everyone else would like to be outed as running. So I'll send an email to the group. Not that we need to be giving updates on the, all the time, but I think, I think given who is in the group, I think people, uh, well, Derek, Derek's in there. We said that already. Have we said that? Have we said Derek's in there? I, I said it at least on the, uh, on the pod, on the live podcast. Oh, okay. So Derek was in the fantasy league. Um, so Der- Derek drafted Donovan Mitchell to spite me. Yes. Well, and you drafted everybody despite somebody else. So that's right. That's my <laughs> so, spite-based organizational philosophy. So if uh, we will give updates on that, I'll, not everybody in the league is somebody that you've heard of. Like obviously Daryl Morey's wow. in the league, and no, 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 not everybody's like part of the the. We hang out with non-famous people, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, speaking of Gonzalez, did we ever congratulate him on the podcast for getting the ringer job? Did we? I, I think well, we haven't, but he was he was hinting at it at the live pod. Yeah, congratulations to John Gonzalez for being an official full time part of the Ringer. The fact that he has not accomplished the Bill Simmons thing yet is a disgrace. And between him and Chris Ryan, come on. Yeah, and and, and Danny Chow and Greenwald. Wait, Greenwald. Wait, how many? How many fucking Mike guys? Bauman? Yeah, how many guys do we need there? How many guys? The the the, uh, the whole. Fucking place is run by our guys. Come on. A lot of, a lot of Ricky connections over there. Yeah. Gee, whatever. All right. That's it. Um, uh, we, I think, uh, are we going to do another, you know, short midweeker, maybe after the Houston game? Maybe a little. I don't know. What's, uh, who do they play on Monday? Isn't that the uh, Detroit? Pistons? Detroit yeah. on Monday. Yeah. 
It's got to be a win, man. That's got to be, be a win. Otherwise, it's you don't want to start 0-5. No. Well, we have before. Trust me, it's not fun. <laughs> uh, if you're new to this, trust me. We've been there. This is, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not up in arms. You you don't want that. You don't want the, the Owen, because then the Brett Brown start, stuff starts at 0-5, I promise you. The they don't have another back-to-back for over a month. So, theoretically, that's Embiid will play the next 15 games. Theoretically. Let's hope. The fact, like, here, here's the deal. Let's let's end on a positive note. Like, okay. Embiid is healthy, yeah. and that's ridiculously good. Seems that like is, it. yeah. He's healthy. He's playing. He's not as uh, he doesn't have his wind yet. He's not as athletic as he usually is, and he's also not something I've noticed this year. <laughs> Again, in preseason, he did, but th- through two games, has not been diving on the ground as much. Has not been sacrificing his body as much, which I appreciate and believe that is growth. Well, yeah. Well, one would hope they. They told him not to. That's or he and he accepted it, and he's not doing that because, you know, that those aren't the injuries that we're worried about, but those are the injuries that will happen in addition to what we're worried about that we don't need. So, you know, he can let that. He can let the uh, one of the, uh, the 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 balls that are going out of bounds just let it go out of bounds just during yeah. the regular season. Just let it go or let. Fucking Justin Anderson would love to die for it, whether he's in the oh, game or not. Oh, he'd kill to die for it. Yeah. Give him a chance. Come on, let him do something. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will talk to you next week. This has been the, or this week, this has been the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by uh, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, Cornblow and Cornblow, and The Athletic. Are you down? Da- oh, do you want to make a quick mention? I got, so I went to see Brand New last night, which is one of my three favorite bands. The um, They were awesome. Like, 10 out of 10 awesome but i got a i got three trust the processes from people but i did get are you and are you down with uh with ttp um and i was very excited by that to get that in public the the are you down with ttp in public is the the best feeling and the worst feeling because it's great that somebody knows to do it but horrible in that you know you have to say that thing in public, you know, in front of other people. So uh, Alex, I want to say hi to Alex, who I saw last night at the show and is a process truster. So, all right. Are you down with TTP? Mm. Hmm. Maybe if he Mm. stops palming it. Yeah, that was never the deal. (laughs) Okay. I'll talk to you.